What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the KBR Sports Podcast. You know the best sports podcast of your 24-hour day. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Of course, if you are not already subscribed, make sure you go ahead and hit the subscribe button while you're listening to the podcast and go ahead and hit the subscribe button on the KBR Sports YouTube channel where you can catch all video content on that channel. And you'll also see my the most recent video being a video about how Zion Williamson did not show up for the New Orleans Pelicans in any fashion this season and was quite a disappointment and how he failed them essentially in their playoff run that was ended short by the Phoenix Suns. Go ahead and check that video out. Of course, also follow myself on social media at Brendan Abin on Twitter. It's at Abin Brendan, just reversed around. That will be down in the description as well as the KBR Sports social handles as well. But y'all, we have a good amount of NBA topics to jump into today. Talking about all things NBA playoffs, of course. It wouldn't be right if we weren't talking NBA playoffs. Going to be talking about, obviously, Nikola Jokic now having won the MVP and what the ramifications are of that. I've already made a video talking about that topic matter as well on YouTube if you want to check that out. Then talking about Embiid and his return to evening up the series and so on. And just a lot of NBA topics that we'll be jumping into. And, of course, you notice I said we because I brought my old guy back on the show to talk all things NBA, my guy, Snack Keel, Oatmeal, whatever you guys want to call him. Guys, give him a round of applause, brother. How's it going? Hello, everybody. And let me just, let me just say something really fast. Here we go. Uh, to, to the point, concise and to the point. Uh, what he's trying to say is a lot of good videos on his YouTube. Go to the YouTube, watch the videos, like and subscribe. He's putting out all this fire. I can and concur with you He he got the Memphis video. Good watch right now. That's the that's the one right now. Man was no Stradamus. All right, I'm just that's all I'm trying to say. The MVP video, another another great video. Zion, listen, we disagreed on it, but still a good video. I can I can respect the quality. I appreciate it. But I, let's I, get I, into I, these topics, brother. Yeah, let's get into it. We brought up the MVP, and I do want to talk about that MVP video, or just the MVP premise. I guess I can talk somewhat about the video, because that's going to be a lot of what my issue is with this award, because it's been announced Nikola Jokic is once again um, named MVP after last year winning his first MVP. He's now back-to-back. He joins the likes of like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, and so on. And so Larry Bird. Exactly. So he joins the likes of some rarefied players and Steve Nash as well. And now we look at a situation where my issue with I so pretty much let me give the impetus of the video just in short. You guys can check it out for all stats, references and so on. But a lot of my issue with this award, how it was panning out early on in the regular season was that I felt as though the one thing that the award normally what we've been told for years is that the award is supposed to be a celebration of winning and also an individual accomplishment, right? And this season, a lot of the field that was being discussed in that in that air for the MVP, they were lapsed behind in the winning column behind Devin Booker. And when you look at the statistical side of things, Devin Booker was behind those other players in the statistical category, but just from a season, an individual season alone, it was he still had a good, impressive season. So where my where my trepidation lied was that 
I felt as though the NBA has given out MVP awards, excusing or validating them with the conception, the concept of winning being what is most valuable, right? MVPs like Derrick Rose, MVPs like Steve Nash, and MVP, this Stephen Curry's first MVP, MVPs of that of that degree. That's how they've been example, or that's how they've been reasoned. And even when you look at last year, Nikola Jokic's MVP more so was an MVP by default because someone like Joel Embiid didn't play enough games, and a lot of other players just weren't having as good a seasons as Jokic, obviously, as he and his main competitor was Embiid. And so now we look at this season, and Jokic did by did have the best season while Embiid won the scoring title. If you look at the numbers, the overall impact on his team. From uh, from especially with what Nikola Jokic was working with, I already had predicted that Jokic was going to win the award. That's what made me want to make the video because I already knew that at, at least one of the guys out of Jokic and Bede and Giannis was not gonna was gonna be the guy to win the award and wasn't gonna be Devin Booker, right? And Devin Booker didn't even finish in the final three of voting. So that I, I think a lot of that is what my issue stems from, and I think that I I reached this point with the NBA where. There's just no consistency, I feel like, with this MVP voting. I was able to reason with them when they said, oh, yeah, they gave it to Russell Westbrook because Kevin Durant had just left. And despite the fact that his team was a lower seed, he had he had broken NBA history by averaging a triple-double for the first time since Oscar Robertson had done it. Fair enough. While his team may not have had the wins, he actually did something historic. Okay, I can understand that one. That That checks out. But now when you're telling me that in other instances, it's, it's like, so should other players have more MVPs than they don't have now? Because if that's the, if this is the barometer that we're judging people by, I don't, I don't really know what the consistent the consistent requirements are for someone to win an MVP. Uh, go, I want to hear your opinions, bro. Uh, what do you think about Jokic winning his second consecutive MVP? Much deserved. Uh, that was my guy the entire time. The I get what you're saying. You you want a consistent uh, criteria. I think what the NBA has right now, which is it's a fluid uh, a fluid uh, choice. Sometimes you know you're going to have years where the guy on the best team is going to win. Nobody stands out really. You give it to the guy on the best team. And I'm fine with that. In some years, you're going to have a guy who has a, a strong narrative, like Jokic does, um, who also puts up phenomenal numbers, like Jokic did. And the teams were close enough in record. He's three games back behind um, behind Embiid while putting up better numbers. Ugh, excuse me. And uh, Giannis missed, like, a, what, 20% of his team's games? Um, or some somewhere around that number, like 15, 20% of the team's games. So it's like, reality, I mean, that's just, in that situation, I, that's why I said I have no problem with Jokic winning. And, and the idea of like, uh, you know, it, we, I, we, we, we said this, I think, on here before, where it's like, the, uh, we've talked in depth about the Steve Nash, but I already know that much. Um, but I know I love I love how the NBA voting is, I, and, and going through history, it's just like there's not too many MVPs you look at and you're like that he didn't deserve it that year. Most of the time, it's like yeah, that's right. 
you may have like a year or two. I mean, like obviously Carl Malone and Charles Barkley winning it over Jordan. I mean, that's just blatant, you know. Um, Voter you know, fatigue. voters fatigue. Yeah, yeah. And but it's like most of, most of the awards are like, yeah, they're fine. They're right. It's the right pick. So I mean, if that's the case, and I have no problem with the MVP voting. See, and but this. <sighs> I get what you're meaning. And I, I mean, I think maybe the fact that we already knew Jokic was going to be the guy might show some level of consistency, right? But I think that if it would have been way more interesting for me or it would, would, the impact of value of winning would have mattered way more to me now if I would have seen at least Devin Booker be in that top in that top three guys or at least come down to maybe Devin Booker and Nikola Jokic, something of that sort. Because when you're talking, when when a guy like Devin Booker's team, his son, the Suns team, and Devin Booker played more games than Jokic, so he, but even the games played is not an issue with Devin Booker. He played more oh. games than Jokic. He his team had a had four, was fourteen games ahead of Jokic's team. So in the wins sure. category, it's not been comparable. They were the top seed in the overall NBA. They're they're leagues better than everybody else from a statistical standpoint, from a record standpoint, all these things, and. I don't know. I sit back and I'm just like, man, what is it? Is it more impressive to 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 be the guy that averages a crazy subset of numbers, or is it more impressive to be the guy that leads your team to having the better overall record that far ahead of the pack? And I know Jokic had the narrative working for him this year, which is commendable to him. But this kind of makes me now want to retroactively go back and yes. When you're looking at, okay, if this guy was the number one seed and he won the MVP in large part because, oh, yeah, maybe his team was the top seed. Well, was there a guy in the third or fourth, fifth spot that was having a better statistical season, maybe had a narrative, but they gave it to the guy with the number one seed? This this is the type of thing that makes me feel like the consistency is lacking because I don't go back. I go If I go to... Steph Curry seasons where he won the MVP. The first one, I thought James Harden should have won it, but I can understand why Steph won it. And I, I can get why he won that MVP. And, of course, the second one, it was it was obvious, right? But yeah. then I go to LeBron seasons, right, where LeBron, first two years, his first two MVPs in Cleveland, easily understand why LeBron won it, right? But then you can go listen to a Heat fan, and they can, make, they can berate a whole point about why Dwayne Wade should have won it one of those seasons and Dwayne Wade didn't have help or whatever the case might be. Dwayne Wade won the scoring title, all this stuff. And then you go to LeBron's and Miami seasons. It's a similar concept where for himself, where he was just so dominant and Miami was just so good. I think one of those years, they almost broke the Lakers winning streak record in one of those seasons. That's how good LeBron was. And so I don't know. All right, hold on. I'll jump in right there real quickly. Yes. See, but the problem with the Dwayne Wade, LeBron James one, right? Is, and this is going to go back to Devin. And this is ties in with Devin Booker and Jokic. LeBron has equal stats while also being the first seed, whereas Devin Booker's stats were so far behind the other three guys, and his impact was so far behind the other three guys that it's not just solely about stats. It's also about impact on the team, right? And it's like the people people don't feel like he is that 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 major impact guy on that team. That goes to Chris Paul. You every time you talk about the team, it's like Chris Paul is the leader. Chris Paul adds so much to this team, and that's why I feel like it doesn't work for Devin Booker. Is because I don't think people look at him as the best 
the far and away best player on his own team. And I think that probably does play a good part, 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 good portion of why maybe he loses some of that credibility. But the problem is when you go and bear it out in the numbers, his offensive impact, his defensive impact throughout this season, he made an impact. I mean, you can see the visible impact on the team. And yes, some of it you do give credence to Chris Paul. But then I, I just I have an issue with the fact that Chris Paul missed games and the team was still winning, even with Chris Paul being out. You know what I mean? And Devin Booker was the guy that was spearheading that team while they were still going through that regular season and able to capture that top record. So when I'm looking at that and I'm just like, so he still gets slighted. And 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 even if that's the case, right, if you're looking about impact, we can talk about impact for so many of the MVPs that didn't have stats of guys that were lesser seeds, but they still got the MVP as the top seed. And that's where I'm like, the consistency isn't, it's just not matching up. Like the in the video, I break down the LeBron versus Steve Nash MVP. We've we've talked about it, right? We talked about what the circumstances were of that season, and we talked about both Steve Nash's and LeBron's impact. And Steve Nash, in term, his team wasn't even the number one seed in the Western Conference, let alone the league, and he still wins it. And I'm just like, I I can't rationalize it when LeBron had a better individual statistical season. I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I, you guys should watch the video for sure, but I don't know. It's, congratulations to Jokic. I, it's one of those things I don't want it to get lost. It's not one of those things I'm trying to say Jokic is undeserving as I as I make this no, case. No, no, it's not the case I'm trying to make at all. It's just more so the, the voting is just flawed to me. I, I can't I, – it's just not consistent enough. Like I don't even know – we talked about most improved player, right? John Morant? Even well, like, all right, that's a sham. Yeah, but want, we talk. That is nowhere near the same thing. That was a horrible sham, and 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 Dejounte Murray got robbed. Well, see, we talked about that. Even LeBron James commented on it, saying that John Morant won Most Improved Player. This guy, you think this guy, it should have been voted as that? I mean, we all know John was already going to be a great player, hence his draft selection. <laughs> But that's why I'm I, okay. So, but I'm I'm with you on that. But that's why I'm saying the voting is flawed, man. Like. It's different when you got a guy who's that top spot, and then you got a guy like Giannis who wins it. When Giannis was what the, the what pick was Giannis? He was like the fifteenth, thirteenth pick. Fifteenth pick. So when you have a guy that's at, he's still in the first round, of course, but he's not he's not being expected to. Giannis was not expected to be as great as John Morant was coming out of coming out of wherever they were coming out from. You know what I mean? So. What Giannis was able to achieve when Giannis wins that most improved player of the year award, it's like that's why when they won the championship, we have all these humble beginning stories about Giannis. If John Morant wins it, yeah, we might get some of those, but it was kind of expected because of where we graded his talent. And if every time somebody just takes a huge leap, is that qualifies them as the most improved player? I don't know. I don't know. But I, then I want them to retroactively go back and give Luca a uh, most improved player in second year. And see, this is where, the, and this is what I'm talking about. The NBA's voting is inconsistent. Because uh, how does Luka Doncic not win it? That's the, all right. Most improved play. Look, it, but that's the thing. Like, if it gets it right almost every year, is it really flawed? It's. I think. I think. It's yes. It's still flawed if they get it right 
If they still get it right every year, it's mainly because the field isn't as competitive as it was this year. That's the reason why I said this year bears it out to show what is truly wrong with the voting. Because this year was as competitive as the MVP race as we've gotten since what? Maybe maybe the Curry Harden one. To be honest, that's probably the most this is probably the most competitive one we've had. Because every year following that, we've all pretty much known who was gonna win it. And it Curry was- Harden. Uh no, 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 hold on now. Curry Harden, uh, Derrick Rose, LeBron, Dwight Howard. Oh no, no, Harden, Giannis. Oh yeah, Harden, Giannis uh, too. Harden, but I, I, I knew Giannis was gonna win when he won I, his. I would, I would die on a stake that James Harden got robbed. No, nah, I, I knew Giannis was gonna win that. I didn't, I didn't think. I mean, I knew was he was as, gonna win it. I, I didn't I, think this was a situation I, like this one. I didn't, I didn't think so. Nah, but Harden averaged. Uh, I'm gonna say thirty-six. 35, and he, I don't think he had a second start that year. It was Chris if Paul. Did, if, if, was it Chris Paul? Yeah, it, it was Chris Paul. Uh, what year was that? That was like, that was like 2017, averaged, 2018. Yeah. Nah, it was 2018, 2019. He averaged 36.1. Yeah, Chris Paul is the second star. Hold on, how many games did Chris Paul play? That's the real question. But... I don't want I don't want to sidetrack us too much, but what I want to what I do want to say in that retrospect is that this was the season that I felt like when it came down to it for those for those players, I'm just like it really shows, man. It really shows what they care about. And this was this is part of my problem just with the voting of this award, man. I don't know. I it's it's not it's not a perfect formula, if I might say so myself. It's just not a perfect degree of who, who we can bear out, especially when it's competitive. Think about all the years that we've gotten where you're saying it was pretty easy to choose. I mean, most of the time, they were pretty clear-cut in a lot of those instances. I think even – well, actually, Westbrook and Harden was even – if aside from Westbrook, the, the Westbrook averaging the triple-double angles really what got it for him in the narrative, but – Harden had a great year that year as well. That final game where he no was it was that the triple double year? Yes, no, was that, that was year. a triple double year. With the final game, he nah, missed the nah, game winner. Real. Yes. Oh yeah, bro. Yes. He cat. Oh, come on, bro. He cat that zone so perfectly. Yeah, I mean, look. That's why I understood he was gonna win. He, I'm not even contesting that. I he think, got, he got super high. Yeah, I'm just giving context. He got super high at the end of the year. He has that final game, which is absolutely insane. Um, he hits the game uh, winner essentially that locks in their playoff seating. Not even just the game winner. He hit like a, a thirty-five foot bomb. Yeah, for a guy that can't shoot threes. Yeah, well, well. <laughs> like uh, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> and, and Imagine I mean, that up on the Lakers. Right, right. But all right, guys, we talked enough about the MVP. I do want to get into talking about some of these playoff series. So. We got the Philly. Can I say one more thing? What? Uh, uh, I can't wait for that off-season video of you going back and uh, pick, showing us the MVPs showing that every... didn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, everything. I want every single year dating back to the fifties. And if you don't have more than ten, <laughs> you know that, that video, wrong, I, bro, that video will I take forever. It. No, it won't. Yes, it you will. You will link this part of the podcast. And say that I'm right, and bro. that you, and that the voters are right. 
That's no, but, I, but hold on, but no, okay. First off, that's I'll tell you what's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'll tell you damn right now <laughs> what exactly what's not gonna happen because because <laughs> if if you're telling me when guys like LeBron are making it so clear that he deserves the MVP uh, and we're saying, he wasn't clear. Yes, it was clear. What do you mean, the man well, won by the MVP by a landslide? Clear. Oh come on. Okay, okay. You sure. talk about the C Nash one, right? No, I'm not talking about the Steve Nash one. I'm talking about like the his oh, two. Inc- oh. If we're going back over all the MVPs in history, I'm saying that you're telling me, or you're telling me to give you every instance somebody else won it and the other guy should have won it. But if you're saying go over all the MVPs I've been given out since like no, no, no. I'm saying that I'm saying like obviously you just say all right, oh nine LeBron, yeah, earned it. Uh, eight LeBron earned it. You know you don't have to you don't have to go in depth with those. I'm talking about the ones where you're like, like this one, this one. I, bro, trust I me. I can, look, you know, you already know the case can be easily made. I will sway you. So you already know that I can sway the case for you, real you quick. Have never swayed, you have never swayed me in an argument before in your life. Oh, stop, I, bro. I had you second guessing even the LeBron and Steve Nash one. Stop it. And no, I never just. I listen, yes, bro. I did. Put me, forward me the tag. Yeah, bro. We were on. We we're on Xbox. Oh, and you were, well, you were looking at the numbers, and you were I, like, mm, mm, mm. I, I, I'm still, well, if you swayed me, I'm right back to where I started. Better from. advanced stats, better at, man, LeBron yeah. was just so much, he was literally a better player than Steve Nash that year. I just, it's, okay. it's, not, worst it's talent. Not, not the best player award, it's the most oh, valuable Apparently player. it is. Apparently it is oh, the best bro. player award. Is, I mean, the best stats award, and Steve Nash definitely didn't have those. What's it called? All right. You know what? That's just, that's first of all, just playing me wrong. Second of all, it's not, though. Uh, it's not. LeBron's PER was better. LeBron should. Okay. I'm not doing again, it. I'm not doing context, it. We're getting derailed. Context, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Context, yes. And I gave you the context. LeBron had nobody on that team. See, that. It was, listen, the Suns weren't expected to make the playoff. People were like, oh, this team is dead to right. Steve Nash carries that team. And I'm talking hard carries. I we talked about this. I put it in my comment. There's a comment. I don't know what my name is on that on, on that comment. But it, I made a comment talking about how he had six or eight players that put up career highs. I just he, wanna know did LeBron did Steve Nash carry harder than LeBron James carry that year? Uh listen, I have not done my proper research. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but All right, I, okay. I'm still I'm still confident in picking. I'm I'm perfectly fine with them picking. I think that's like one of two, uh, one of three seasons. LeBron averaged thirty that season. Hey, listen, hey, listen, hey, I listen. Are you don't wrong. I would love LeBron to have another MVP. Shot, don't man. get me wrong. That's right, man. But it, there's just no way. I'm just, I'm, there's no I'm way. Just, I'm fine. There's just no way. There's no way, man. You know? I just can't. I can't. I'm Especially by today's standards. Nope. No. no. No shot. If Le- you know, if LeBron had made the playoffs this year, not made the playoffs. If he had, if he had, uh, if the team had, I shouldn't say if LeBron had. If the team had played up the expectation, uh, I think LeBron actually won the MVP this year. But what expect? I mean, if you're talking expectations, yeah, expectations would have been the number one seed in the West. He definitely would have won it. But that just, yeah, that didn't but I would say top. I'm not going to give. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. I don't, I don't think he would catch. I don't think they would. But uh, people expected them to be the best team in the West. Yeah, well, I, I think the Suns were 
favored to be number one. I mean, they dominated last year. Too. No, the Brooklyn Nets think... were favored. Then the Lakers oh, have the yeah, second right. best odds. You're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Should we stop playing? Them? Should we have to just skip to the finals? Blah blah blah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. If you all right, if you have finished well, even all right, even past that, right? If they had just finished, if Anthony Davis, you know, comes back and plays out the all season, you no, know, most of the season. And they finished top three seed. I, I 1,000 percent think LeBron was MVP. It's a good chance. It's a good chance. I mean, what if he would have played enough games, he would have led the league in scoring. But he did. I mean, it was in the season, and nobody, and they weren't fighting for anything. So I don't think he was going to rush. You know, rush to come out and uh, and play those games. Imagine if him and Embiid would have started having a little scoring, scoring back and forth to see who would have well, been hey, the scoring leader. Oh, that would have been so. That we haven't had. Well, we haven't had one of those in a long time. No, nah, last time we had it was what two twenty twelve. Twenty twelve. Yeah. No. Actually no, last time we had that happen it was like twenty ten. And I think it was yeah, Kobe really? Kobe Durant. Oh wow. Yeah, it was Kobe Durant. That was the Lakers second back to back. And I mean Durant was just that's when Durant was just, <laughs> I mean it's crazy because now we're reaching these scoring ti- um scoring titles of people scoring thirty or whatever. But back then you'd win the scoring title averaging like twenty six, twenty seven. And then yeah. Durant just reeled off these reeled off these years of averaging twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine, and it was Dude was just disgusting. It was crazy how many scoring titles he won in that time period. But it was like Kobe, Durant, Wade, LeBron were just bat- battling it out during that time period. Yeah, you don't you don't really see it as much anymore. The scoring title, honestly, I don't feel like has as much bearing in this in this weird era. Not, not, not it's more like I feel like now it's more about like it's like scoring and assists. It's like how much are you playmaking while scoring? Yeah, I I think the the value of the all around player is way more accentuated than just an individual player. Because even when Harden went crazy, averaging 35, the the coverage mm. of Harden's 35 was nowhere near close to the average to the coverage of Kobe's 35. And oh yeah, b- bear in mind we have social media now. So Harden going on that scoring tear was you have all the media vices we have in today's age versus what we had back in 2005, 2006. And when Kobe did it, I mean it was. Every night, Sports Center, it's like Kobe Bryant drops sixty. Kobe Bryant is on like a, a five, eight game tear of forty points, something like that, and you would hear it every day. It, it, it's changed, oddly enough. Yeah, that is actually weird. I might, I might make a video about that. Average thirty six point one and seven dimes. It's wild. In five turnovers. I would like to know where his usage rate that year ranks amongst all time. You know, probably. Probably second. You know, you know the funny thing is, I actually did a deep dive with this after I, I, I heard, I, I saw a statistic about this, and I just went and looked at like all the highest usage guys. This was really random, but I went and looked at all the highest usage players, and 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 that we've had in the last decade: Russ, James, Luca, Donovan, LeBron, 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 LeBron has come and gone with it, but. Jokic, all those guys, right? So yeah. all these people, whenever they've led the league in usage or been anywhere near the top of the league in usage rate, all early playoff exits or they didn't make the playoffs. It's almost like heliocentric teams don't do well in the playoffs. It would seem to be that way. It w- and and just like Luca right now in the playoffs, he's balling out, but it's it, 
it's like that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm kind of nervous about them is because it's like it's that heliocentric team. And it's like how far can one man carry? It, well, we saw it even with uh, when when Brunson just uh, decided to disappear. Um, yeah, they they had no help. It was they, it, yeah, and it was like oh, this series is gonna be over fast. And then Brunson showed back up, and it was like oh, okay, wait a minute, now we're uh, we're back in the series. But it's like even last night where it was like they hit more threes than twos last night, and it's just like you know you need that kind of level of play from your entire team. To, to beat the team like the Suns. You can't just have one guy out there and go against the world. Yeah, these – well, let's talk more about that, actually. Let's transition to talking about that because, yeah, these type of teams, I've realized they really do bear bear the struggle in these type of playoffs. I mean, we've seen, we've seen it with Luka for at least two straight years now, right? Like him against the Clippers in both seasons, the, the bubble season. Then we had last year where he lost to them in the first round. And – I mean, you see these amazing, dazzling plays from Luca, right? But the problem yeah. is, it, it, like you said, it's such a, a orbit around him. And I think that's – when we talk about Luca getting better, it's then them creating a dynamic for that team where he can be off the ball because too much of it circles around whatever Luca does. And there's so much that it just wears down that one guy. And when you are so contingent on your team's production being a center around run guy, I mean, look at that game yesterday. Luca was nine to twenty five just to score twenty six points. Right? That's just yeah. not that's not optimal efficiency at all. And when you're looking at he had eleven assists and seven rebounds. So he the the thing that I love about a guy like Luca is that he does impact the game in other ways which is what it really makes a star great is if you can impact the game outside of just your scoring. But you can see that, look, they're wearing on Luka because when you're going one of ten, eh, you're not yeah. You're not the barometer of efficiency. Let's just say that. Yeah. It's just going to be – and that's the problem with heels and teams. It's like, you know, okay, if they get past this round, you're going to – you know, then you have to run against you know, the war, the Warriors – more quickly, and it's like <laughs> how are you gonna? And then even if you get, let's say you run another long series, it's like now your your guy who's the who who runs everything. I mean, he's just gassed out. Yeah. There's just no possible way he's gonna be able to keep that same energy the entire time. And then he also, I mean, because then you also have to worry about the nights where you know Jalen Brunson just doesn't go off, and you're like, oh, all right, it's a game I gotta carry. Yeah, you know, and it's just like it, it, it. We've seen it with Harden. We've seen it with LeBron. We've seen it with with multiple players. Where it's just like we've seen it with Kobe. You just have you have one guy who who's your who's your main guy, and they, you just you're you're relying on players who aren't um there aren't consistent players. There's a reason why you know they're not stars or all stars or anything like that. You know, it's because they're just not consistent. So. Let me interject yeah. with you real quick here. I, I, I don't want to. I don't mean to make you lose your thought. But I just had a really good point to bring up here. So you know the funny yeah, thing about what you say here is that I feel as though this is very true about heliocentric teams and about a guy having inconsistent surrounding pieces. But I guess then what do we have to credit in regards to the Buck success, right? Because I don't know. Is the bar that's just that high with what Giannis does on the court that? his team is afforded that luxury of having guys be inconsistent because Giannis just 
encompasses all that missing production or like because Luca does not do all the things Giannis does on both ends of the court right like he just okay. he physically cannot and the last person we saw that could do any semblance of what Giannis could do on the court was LeBron of being able to cover so many aspects of the game offensively and defensively but even LeBron at at times until he went and got those other players that could be somewhat consistent he it never was able to materialize for him on a consistent basis in the terms of finals appearances and so on so what what, what do you think separates Giannis's team or what Giannis does in a, I guess in a fashion that allows his team to still be dominant even though, because we know, we talked about that with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, maybe not the most consistent guys, but you know that they'll give you something in some degree. But it might not, this might not always be dependable for that 25 points that you need. So expound upon that point a little more. Okay. Two things uh, about Giannis' the team. So if you have two inconsistent players, you have one consistent player. That's how it works. Uh, the night that Drew Holiday scores eight points, Chris Middleton was scored 30. The night that uh, Chris Middleton dropped two on like seven of like one of 17 shootings, Drew Holiday goes off for a career high. That's just how it's just how the team goes. Uh, yeah. secondly, uh, Chris Middleton made a sort of thing, you know, so it's like he's, he's always been like that, not always, I'm gonna say that, but recently he's always been like a fringe all star, and so it's like you have a fringe all star and you have a guy who's you know he's a he's a, a defensive first guy who can give you who can be aggressive on all he has he has enough skill on offense where he's not like a liability and he can even you know get some buckets if he needs him to you know so it's like that's the difference I feel like with um between Giannis and, and Luca's team where it's like Luca right now has his second best player is nowhere near an all star uh his third best player you can't name who the, their best player on the team is because it's uh, like a rotating door of like some nights is uh, Penny Smith who eight threes. You know, that's the kind of performance you have to like, you see how many crazy things have to happen for like the, the team to win. It's like, you have to have Penny Smith go off on a career night. You have to have uh Luca, even without the, he still has to, you know, make, take 25 shots. Brunson has to have a good game. It's like all these things. Davis Pertan has to come off the bench and, and, and shoot really well. And it's like, the, it's, it's just like you trust that every like for for four games in a series. Yeah. I think that that is the core of my trepidation with the Mavericks. And I, I always respect the talent that Luka is. But even in the midst of the Phoenix Suns struggles, and it's weird, man. I, I watched those games and... I think I don't think Phoenix is necessarily guarding Luca. I think they're guarding Luca well, right? I I think the way they're deciding to defend him with sending multiple guys and sh- and consistently shadowing him and shading him, and I think the I, I know they sometimes do the Jay Crowder thing where Jay Crowder tries to you know physical up Luca again his head a little bit sometimes, but I think for the most part Luca does know Luca always will get to his spots and he he always normally knows how to create these shots for these other players. But like you said, Dorian Finney-Smith having a career night, these other guys being able to contribute in a massive way in an, on a night where Luka is necess- not necessarily able to find his shot. I just, I don't know. I think 
it's weird to me because it's like Chris Paul fouls out. Chris Paul was essentially in foul trouble all of game four. And I, I sit there and I'm like, okay, well, he was in, he had three fouls in the first half, picked up his fourth, like midway through the third quarter or something like that. And then picked up a fifth towards the end of the third quarter, comes back in the fourth, fouls out rather quickly in the fourth quarter. And I'm just like, but they won by 10, right? Like it felt like the, the Suns were always right there in striking distance, but then Finney Smith would hit this like crazy timely three, right? And mm-hmm. you you normally when you're evaluating these games, you can't just say, "Oh well, what about the next game when Luca's gonna hit most of his shots or whatever the case may be?" Because then you also acknowledge in the same sense, Finney Smith's not gonna hit eight threes again, man. Like he's just <laughs> he's not gonna have that type of game again, especially on the road. It's just not. Right. It's not, it's not a thing. Right. If he hits ten this game, look, <laughs> I, I'm betting on him. I'm betting on him from now on to hit at least an over of five threes. So, if he hits ten next game, but those are the type of things that you have happen, and you're just like, okay, well, what are the odds that's going to really happen again, right? And it's just yeah. weird because I don't. I I feel like this version of Chris Paul I've seen in the last two games. I feel like my man Chris Paul has just become. <laughs> I don't know necessarily what they're doing to. to to necessarily scramble him so much, but when you have seven turnovers in game three, like Chris, not just seven turnovers, Chris Paul having seven turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest part of it. Like Chris Paul, does, that's the one thing like Chris Paul turnovers. Like it's like the antithesis of that very thing. Like Chris Paul doesn't turn the ball over. He's one of the few guys in NBA that could have a double-digit assist season, and you're like, I can believe he averaged less than three assists that year. But, or sorry, less than three turnovers that year. But other guys, it's like we even noted with the Harden year, right? Like Harden had seven assists but like five turnovers a game. And granted, with such a high usage rate, yeah, it's naturally expected. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think the the Suns are still rightfully favored to win the series. But are the Suns as good as we thought they were? Uh, I honestly don't know. Like, every time I'm like, all right, here are the Suns. Like, the, you know, the beginning of the series. It was like, all right, here we go. The Suns are back. Let's go. Um, they go to Dallas and lose. And then I'm back at, like, what? wait, you you guys were 14 games ahead of uh, – not 14. You guys were, I think, eight games ahead of uh, every other team in the league. And not you guys have you struggled against a playing team. And I get it. They were they were hot. They, um, they, they were hot at the end of the season. And they were playing – they played their – their team wasn't indicate uh, – uh, the record did not indicate how good that team was. That's what I was trying to say. Um, and so you play them, you you struggle, I guess, against them. You take them. I mean, struggle in the sense that, you know, it's the first round. You're supposed to just, you know, get them out the way. And then you get to the second round, and you're in the middle of a dogfight with the Mavs. And it's like, this isn't what I – this is not anything what I expected. Like, the first round, I kind of took it as like, okay, Young team, athletic team, the, those kind of teams show up in the playoffs. Like they first round, at least they make you sweat a little bit. They make you work. You know, they're just they're just long, young, and they have all this energy. 
and you know they just kind of they just kind of annoy you. It's, and we, I said, I think we talked about this in, in in text or on Xbox. We said, you know, it reminded me of the um, the Boston Atlanta series back in the day when you had Kevin Paul and, and Ray, and then you had the young, you had Josh Smith, Joe Johnson, Al Horford, Jeff Teague, where it's like you just have these young, you have these young guys who just play with a lot of energy and give teams, it just gives teams fits in the first round, and then you just go through the rest of the playoffs like, oh, okay, now we just play normal teams. We can, we can, we're gonna get them out the way like we did in the regular season. So am I shaking a little bit by Phoenix? Yes. Um, do I think they're now? Do I think they're the best team far away in the West, like uh, like we thought they would be? No. I mean, I don't know how. I don't know the gap between. If you put a gun to my head today and ask me, who Suns or Warriors? I might probably go Warriors because I trust them. They have the history, you know. Of, of they've been there, not just been there. They also won. So it's like I, I I don't know I trust them more than I trust the Suns at this point. But again, you know I, they're they were the number one seed for a reason. They can I, hopefully turn it on at some point and get it going. Yeah, it makes me I I kind of wonder this question with the the because a lot of it comes down to matchups, right? And mm. how a team just naturally matches up with you, and I think. In the Pelican series, maybe matchups played a good a good portion of the what happened there. But then I also go and look at maybe in the instance of I don't I I look at the instance where you're looking at most of most number one seeds right are exude a level of dominance that I feel especially when you're that much ahead in the regular season right like yeah normally. We, you see that dominance come out at some point. And I just don't I, – I haven't seen it at all. I don't think there's been one port, one moment, maybe the first two games after Dallas, but then I wasn't even overreacting – or the first two games at Phoenix, I wasn't even overreacting to those. I'm like, you have to win on the road. A lot of people yeah. always overreact. What they did was they were supposed to do what they, – they did what they were supposed to do. Exactly. So I'm like, okay, now I need to see you win on the road. And – I have yet to see Phoenix really like every team has come into Phoenix or sorry, not, not every team has come into Phoenix, but every team has essentially stopped Phoenix from doing what we expect a number one seed to do. Right. Especially one that is that much better than the next team. And the team that you were, that was even within striking distance of you within eight games is, is down to golden state, right? They're down two on the golden state. Golden state's one on their home four. And I don't know. I, I, it's one of those situations where, I think this was part of my problem, and I'll get more into it in the Heat segment when we talk about them and the Sixers, but this is part of my problem I have with the Miami Heat as well because I don't think that when we looked at these number one seeds that we're we're getting the 2016 Warrior vibes, right? We're not getting the... Who's another one, one number one seed I could even think? We're not getting the 2019, 2020 even number one seed Bucks. We're not getting that type of vibe where then they're just making short work of their first round matchup. And granted, maybe it's just because of the fact that those teams didn't play anybody as good as Luka. Right? But mm-hmm. then when you're looking at their number one, their their first round matchup, I mean, where are we rating Brandon Ingram? Right? Amongst other players in the league. Is Brandon Ingram even a top fifteen player? No slight to Brandon Ingram, but just keeping yeah. a keeping it a buck. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. 
Brandon Ingram's a top 15 player. I I have reversed course. I've seen the light. I, I was looking on somebody's Twitter, and they showed me the light that Brandon Ingram is apparently a top 15 player. Name me. I can name you 15 players better than Brandon Ingram right now. All right. Well, not after that first round. You can't. <laughs> after that first round. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's, a show me what, it's a show me what you've done recently around. Oh, what, has yeah. Dane, what, has Dane, what has Dane done? <laughs> just just what, has, what, has, Dane what has Durant done? Oh, man. <laughs> That's where we are. At what point? At what point does the rant light take over? When when does the the pupil pass the sensei? Look, man, it's not the off season. We're not struggling for topics that bad, okay? <laughs> All right, we're not we're not on first take territory right now. I'm saying, bro, it's a legitimate question. No, no, no. In all, you're so trolling right now. It's triggering. <laughs> it's, it's just bad. Right, real question, real question. But like, Brandon Ingram or, Ky- or Kyrie Irving? <laughs> oh man, Kyrie, Kyrie's uh, is right now, right now, right? Right to the, at this day, at this moment. You have all right. Here's I'm gonna give you a scenario. In both their situations, no, uh, no. You have the first pick <laughs> in a fantasy draft. This is great. Like you're, you, have, you have a pick. Sorry, not the first pick. Obviously, you're not taking Brandon or McCarty with the first pick. Um, you're in the middle. You're in the middle to end of the draft. Uh-huh. You have Kyrie Irving and Brandon Ingram sitting on the board. They're the best two players available. Okay. Which one are you taking? Is my team just decrepit, or do I have pieces? You have no. This this is the center point to your team. Center point to my team. Man, I will probably go. Mm. See, not easy choice. This the only reason why it's not an easy choice. Is Kyrie doesn't play a lot of games. <laughs> that's, I, I kid you not. That's, that's the primary reason why. Because not like either of them win a lot of you, games by themselves. You have seen it to the future. You have seen it to the future. Kyrie will play 75 games this season. Oh, I'll take Kyrie. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I'll sell tickets. There ain't no that's doubt crazy. about that. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm taking Kyrie. Bro, I'm an I'm a owner. Yeah, I'm like, let me sell. I'm going to sell them tickets like, like clockwork. Well, who won't pay? Who won't pay to watch Kyrie pound the ball for 42, 48 minutes? What? You're a GM. You're not an owner. Yeah, I'm a GM. I still got to make money. You don't think Brandon Ingram is pulling in the bread? <laughs> no, no, it's not. He he's not pulling in Kyrie bread. Let's just say that Brandon Ingram's not pulling in. Kyrie Irving money, okay. You Ky- also, all right. You also have to deal with the with uh, the Kyrie Irving. Well, you just told me he's playing seventy five games. So I mean, I'll deal with all the Kyrie so, Irving crap. I mean, he's one of the most polarizing athletes in the world. Yeah, I'll deal with all the crap. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make money. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Listen, do you? Look, I, I see the green. I see the green eyes. Money over everything, right? Look. Look. Psh- I mean, it's not like either of them is going to win me a lot of games. I mean, let's be real. 
almost went in the first round. You said he almost won in the first round? Kyrie's at least gotten yeah. past the first round. Uh, he didn't with Durant. Yeah, but he did by himself. When, when was Kyrie ever by himself? On the Celtics. He wasn't by himself. Well, he was the he was the lead guy on that team. That that's yeah, yeah. that's fair. Show me how that goes. Right, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown weren't even all stars yet. To be fair, so he he was the lead guy, and the other guy, if you want to consider Gordon Hayward as the other guy who barely played at all during that stint, but Kyrie at least got to the second round. It didn't go well, but I I prefer the guy that at least gets me to the next round versus the guy that didn't get to the next round. Just saying. Can I make money? Yeah. Brandon Ingram's team yeah. wasn't even over 500 this year. And to be fair, when he played, they were over 500. Oh, that's keyword. When he played, they were 36 and 46. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I, look. This, okay, we, we, this, this is what I'm talking about. We diverged entirely off of what we were talking about. But what I'm just saying is that the, the, the caliber of guy, I mean, Brandon Ingram – He's a really good player, but in terms of comparing what going through a first round, like look for how good Phoenix was, Phoenix should have gotten New Orleans out the way. They didn't have Zion Williamson, and they were that young. They were that young scrappy team, but we've seen that young scrappy team before. And normally, if that young scrappy team, like remember back in like 2010, 2011 or something like that, when the Lakers played the Thunder in the first round, yeah, and. Everybody knew. Okay, even though the Lakers, the Lakers beat the Thunder in six games, and it was one of those, it was one of those series. It was like, yo, these guys, and we all realized how good Kevin Durant was. It wasn't even a question. You just knew they were too young. That was the only question. That's not what we're really saying about the Pelicans here. Listen, they got they got Zion, they got a they got a driver, and. Uh, Brandon Ingram. They got they got young talents around. I I'm, listen. I'm I'm just saying, bro. They got a little piece. They got some pieces going on there. They got CJ McCollum, veteran, who's been to the playoffs. Yeah, but I'm just talking about the- this playoff series. Why, why should Phoenix should Phoenix have struggled as much as they did with the Pelicans? For how good no. Phoenix seemed to be. Exactly. That's the. That's my only thing. So it's like, should we trust Phoenix to be that number one team that we thought they were? I mean, now we, it seems like we both have shifted to Golden State being propped up in both our minds, without a doubt. But then when you look at them struggling in the second round and, and talking about Phoenix here, isn't it, it's more reasonable that Phoenix is struggling against Dallas, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because if you had a, if you had a, if you had a, I guess, grade on a bar, who's better? Who is better? Giannis, or sorry, who's better, Luca or John Morant? It's a great question. Uh, who's played better? All right, real question here for a second. Are you asking who's played better in these playoffs or who's a better player? Who's a better player? Luca. Luca, okay. I mean, and, and so, and even if you want to go to who's played better in the playoffs, whatever the case might be, but naturally you would expect the, the struggle to be more with whoever's going up against Luca, but who's the better team in retrospect? I think the Grizzlies are a better team than the Mavericks. They're just deeper. And so yeah. when you're seeing Golden State essentially 
get the Grizzlies out of a way in, in a sense, even without being, and then it sucks because now you hear John Morant's out for game four, but yeah, they essentially took a lead, even with them missing Gary Payton, who is a lot, who's a lot of the defensive assignment for John Morant was going to him. And you see how golden state has essentially been able to take over this series. I don't know. I don't know. Steve about not coaching. Yeah. He's not coaching. Got COVID. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's wild. What's it called? Um, the yeah, which uh, John Morant missing Game Four. Uh, that's actually why I, I genuinely was like, oh, no shot he misses Game Four. But uh, young star, I guess you you want to protect your uh, protect your guy, you know. Yeah. You don't want to see him, you know, have a major knee injury, you know, and, and when you're you know your team's this young, which I get. It. But speaking of scrappy upstart team, so do we think? Do we think the Grizzlies have any chance tonight? I think the Warriors are going to win, man. I know what the Grizzlies have done without Jaw. Credit to them. Twenty. What? Twenty and three. Yeah, they've been amazing without Jaw Morant, but this is this isn't the regular season. Right, it's not regular season basketball anymore, and even that last game, even the, the last game they won, right? John Morant having to go off for forty-seven points. Yeah, those type of Herculean efforts. I just is it just doesn't. It's too much. It's too much on dependency on one guy. Maybe they go to a more team flowing orient orientation of basketball, but. I just don't think they have enough where they don't have enough guys who break the game, who break Golden State's offense. That's my that's my issue. Yeah. There's not enough guys or or defense more for better words. They don't have enough guys who do that. And John Morant was the one person like Clay Thompson cannot guard John Morant. I mean the watching him try to guard Jaw the other day was just I I truthfully was just was like, rough. man. Go ahead. It was rough. It was it was rough. Yeah, like he was in the torture chamber, and that's why I felt like the Gary Payton injury was very big for them because he he's an athlete himself, and then he was the one guy who had some semblance and be able to contain. Let me not even say contain, but stay with Jaw to some degree, or just another guy to throw at Jaw just for the sake of doing so. And now when you're seeing a guy like Clay and Jordan Poole, golly, I mean Jordan Poole got put in a spin cycle. At one point, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I look at that, and I'm like, okay, you lose all that. Uh, it's they're still a good team, but I just, yeah, I don't. All see right, it. two things. I lost one of them already. So well, second great. thing, <laughs> Jaron Jack. If you, oh, they're twenty and five. Sorry, I said twenty three. They're twenty and five. And secondly, uh, so you're. I don't know if he's your second best player. He's like around your second best player. He's like second or third, depending on the night. Is Jaron Jackson Jr. And I'm going to tell you right now, 7 of 29 in your last two games is not going to cut it with Ja Moran out. Uh, you're going to have to you're going to have to step it up, you know, if you want if you're going to want to win this game. And see, that's what I'm saying. Like there's just it's like you have to rely on Desmond Bain. Um 
Who has been struggling. Tired. Yeah, it's just like you have a bunch of guys who are just like not not doing too hot. And it's like, all right, uh, you know, get out there and uh, get out there and do it. And, and, this, like, and ah. this is a series also that is in Golden State for Game Four because they don't the Golden State yeah. doesn't have home court. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Also, it's just like it's yeah, it's also on the road, and so it's like and again, young team. I I, don't I, know. I like the mentality uh, of this Grizzlies team because they they do have that fight that we're just not going to lay down and fight yeah. energy, but. I think that only carries you so far because in this in the playoffs, you, you in the record season, you can get away with playing hard, playing scrappy, and playing great yeah, yeah, defense yeah. to win regular season games. But in the playoffs, where you're there's so much film and so much tape on your on your team, and there's mm-hmm. everybody already knows all the things your team likes to do. They know how you run your sets and stuff like that. They know a lot of what you want to do, but a lot of times your superstar player is just so unguardable you do what you want to do anyway, right? Like, we all know Giannis drives the right, drives the left, spins back to the other hand, whatever. You know, all these variations. Shoulder into somebody, pulls them out the way, tackles them, and then, and then dunks it. Essentially, all these variations of that, right? And it's just something that nobody can stop, though. Nobody can stop yeah. what that is. And it's one of those things you – What? The rest don't call fouls on them. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that you just try to bother the person as much as possible when they're doing these things. And man, the Celtics have just made a huge run to come back and take the lead on the on the Bucks. Al Horford, the same Al Horford, just leading just, them to come back. Is the immortal Al Horford, dude? Dude is. I mean, he needs to be a Celtic just for the rest of. Because when he left the Celtics, my man was just he lost the ju- the, the juice. <laughs> I mean. He was on the Thunder. He dunked on Giannis. He did jump on Giannis. He, uh, uh, I mean, he went to uh, okay. So. Uh, he went to the Thunder. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to like, you know, show anything on that team. <laughs> hey, bro, Shay Shay Gill just did it. Shay, now to be fair, Shay is Shay is that guy. I won't say that much. And then they Shai. had they have another rookie that I Ooh. really like. What? Is it Giddy? Yes, Giddy. Giddy. He's a baller, too. Yeah. Oklahoma City, just the hub for talent. When you got 15 picks, hey, you're going to hit on some of them, you know? I'm saying. that. that... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So it's one of those things that Al Horford, I mean, he's doing his thing. But, yeah, we'll, we'll keep our eyes on Phoenix, and we'll keep our eyes on the Grizzlies. We'll see how, because obviously this is going to come out after the games have taken place, at least the Warriors and the Memphis series or Memphis game, game four. So we'll see how that played out. Hopefully our takes, what if Memphis just comes out and wins game four? That'd be incredible in itself too. But listen, if they come out and win, I will not pick them for the series. Yeah. Not in the least, but I'm still picking Golden State, but (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna, I was gonna say something else, and I was like, "Yeah, you know what? No, I, I still wouldn't go that far." <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like we're just like, "How long are you gonna, like, you know, keep the keep the boogeyman off off of your back?" Type deal. But it's like the same, it's the same thing with the Suns. Here. It's like the Suns are going to win the series. It's just like, is it in six or is it in seven? Yeah, yeah. 
But see, that's the thing. What if what if somehow the Mavericks surprise us? Yeah, listen, if they especially die out this game, absolutely. Yeah, the Ma- the Mavericks they have that they just have that guy that can like I mean we saw it last year Luca almost single handedly took the cl- took the Clippers out in that first round when single handedly what yeah I we, we want to emphasize single handedly <laughs> uh, it, it was it was a carry job uh, a big one the man was carrying. With the whole the whole state on his back, it was crazy. But he was carrying the whole state on his back. He was carrying the whole Clippers on his back. He was just carrying everything on his back. <laughs> Speaking of Luca and uh, Ja, I-, I wanted to I wanted to get your opinion on this real quick. So the way Ja Ja is in his third year, he's twenty, uh, I think twenty two, twenty one, one of those two, and he's. You know, playing out of his mind, 22. Uh, he's playing out of his mind in this playoffs. Now, does does he have the brightest future in the league? If, if, are we talking, is he like the best? What is it? You know, no. they do 25 under 25. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> the, the, the reason why I say no, brightest future, no. And. The big reason I say no is because of just his his size. It's three. Yeah. I, so. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you said that like that's supposed to change something. Good point. <laughs> the, this league has shown us time and time again. Look, the smaller you are, the harder it is for you to dominate. And. It is you have to have the perfect team, and granted, Jaw could get that. Memphis could do such a great job of drafting that Jaw gets that. But the ceiling, the, the the barometer of how many times the Grizzlies front office has to hit in comparison to how many times the the Mavericks front office has to hit, or even the Celtics front office, right? If we're talking about young players with a with a ceiling, I don't know if you're talking about just how good they individually can be, or maybe their teams, but Individually, okay. Well, I think Jaw can be amazing, but I also think I, I think Jaw is still. Are you, you want Jaw over Jason Tatum? I'm asking you. Yeah, I'm, this is me asking you. I, I mean, I already made my point. I said no. Right. I said no, no already. I think Jason Tatum. Yeah, exactly. So it's like one of those things. I don't. I love like these guards. They 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 wow us. On so many occasions, but and I love Jaw, but it's just he's not. If he was bigger, yes, but it's just nah. That's why everybody always says if Allen Iverson was six foot six, he would have he would have dominated the league. It's not by accident. Uh, but I mean, he's yeah, he got three inches on uh on on Allen Iverson. Imagine Allen Iverson was uh six three. Nah. Oh. Nah. <laughs> nah. All right. Nah. I mean, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. So I'm assuming it'd be Luca. Luca's first. Jason Tatum second. Yeah. Easy. And then Ja. Yeah. I'd be I'd be comfortable with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I'd say in that order. Okay. Take him over, Trey Young. 
Oh, hey, come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You, 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 no, I'm not going to go into it. Yeah, I would. I would. All right. I, 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 was, I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 yeah, I just... I love Trey. I had him on my, my fantasy team, but there, there's holes in what Trey does that... And also, another, another small guard. And also... Yeah. Very susceptible to be picked on on defense, but this. Uh, listen, I'm I'm gonna be real with you. Jaw's trash on defense. So yes, but but Jaw at least but. jumps high enough to contest something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I'm just saying, it's it's something, bro. Like Trey's just. You remember? You remember when the the Cavs and this and this is the funny thing. Steph Curry gets his, this this rap of being a bad defender. Steph Curry's an above average defender. I wouldn't go that far. He's he is. above average. I, 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 he is. I'll take that. I'll take above average. Yeah, and and here's the thing: the the Cavaliers hunted this man. I mean, granted, against that Warriors team in that in those years. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hold on. Now. Yeah, Steph Curry was really your only guy you could hunt. But in those years where it was Cavs versus Warriors every finals, I mean, they were hunting. Steph, it was, dude, he was like a, a a hurt gazelle. How much they were hunting Steph Curry, and Steph is above average six foot three defender with limited athleticism. Jaw can at least yeah. be turned into something of a good defender. He's young right now. He just not he he's not there in terms of defensive mindset, but he can become a good defender. He's athletic enough to do it. Trey. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you? I, I would. I would go on the opposite side and say, Trey is still a um, infinitely better as a shooter uh, and better as a playmaker. He is, but we're talking about ceiling. So like I, uh, yeah, and I. I, I, mean, I so, say all these things about Trey, but Trey still. We say these things about Trey, but Trey doesn't make as much of an impact on his team as Jaw. We say that like this Trey year. didn't this year. Out last year. This year, yeah. That highlight this year. Highlight this year. I, I will say this: Trey had issues with his team more so than himself. Whereas Jaws, they were twenty five without Jaws. It's not like his team was like. But that's uh, part of Jaws' leadership, is it not? Trey's had issues no, with his team. Twenty five, and your team will win twenty games. Yeah, I but think that's you, part of your. Leadership. Yeah, but I mean, all these guys have come out in droves to say how good of a leader Jaw is. Let's not act like that's been happening with the same side of the coin for Trey Young. No shot. I mean, we, I mean, we can look at the relationship between him and John Collins. We can look at the relationship between him and what's the other? What's the other? What's the who's the backup? Him and Rondo at one point. We can look at him and him and DeAndre Hunter actually were cool. At least when last time DeAndre Hunter spoke on him. But yeah, exactly. But even the, the John Collins thing and how the coach had to tell Trey to play a different manner of basketball because people were like, mm, kind of a ball hog, bro. Hey. You know, I don't know. I, I, listen, I mean, if you want to take Trey, wanna, go for it. If you want to uh, put the ball in John Collins' hands instead of, uh, of Trey Young's hands, hey, listen. The walk in. That one. <laughs> come on. But if you want to take Trey over Ja. You're more than welcome well, to do so. Uh, I, I don't know. They're they're like really close to my opinion. I can understand it if you would want to go the other way, but 
if we're talking about ceiling, if John Morant starts shooting, gets his shot well enough that he shoots around 38%, is the gap that much? Uh, yeah. uh, if, 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 Trey, um, Trey, if Josh shoots 38%, then, all right, clearly, uh, then clearly, yeah, he deserves, he's got it. And you gotta remember, he's only, Josh's only a year younger than uh, Trey Young. Young. Yeah, I'm hip. So it's not like um, it, the thing is with Trey Young is is if he could just clear up some efficiency because he just takes bad shots and like if he can clear that up. Um, but also, he, Jaw mean, is just more efficient. Guess uh, it. Like I, that's that's part of my. I mean, when you when you brought the bad shooting, that's part of my issue with Trey. He does take some bad shots, <laughs> but all, to be fair, every every young player takes bad shots. They do, but I prefer you taking bad shots that can possibly result in free throws than just a fast break possession. Like Trey's launching right. bombs half the time, and it just turns into fast break points on the other end because they're long rebounds. And no, he's not. What? He's not more efficient. What do you mean? You got to remember, Trey takes 12 threes a game. Oh, you're, so you're talking about true shooting? Yeah. Okay, well, I guess by true shooting percentage, yeah, because Trey just shoots more threes, but just base, I, I was basing more on field goal percentage. But, yeah, I guess if you're, if you're considering true shooting percentage, then just because of the volume of three Trey takes, then I guess so. But I don't – I don't know. I mean, that factors into his bad shots. So I don't. If Jaw just gets I mean, more, does, becomes a more efficient three point shooter, then. I mean, he does, but I mean, right at the moment, right now, it's like it's a three percent difference. Like it's not like it's right on top of each other. Oh, you talking about in terms of? Well, I mean, because Trey shoots forty six percent from the field, Jaw shoots forty nine percent from the field, and then the the main yeah. gap is in the three point shooting because Trey shoots. Yeah. Trey shoots thirty eight percent, and he shoots. Yeah, he literally shoots twelve. What the heck? He shoots, he shoots eight threes a game. He shoots eight threes a game, man. Like, come, on. Like, come on, man. Like, oh gosh. But anyway, anyway. But I, I, no, I understand. I understand. The, it's a, it's an interesting topic about the youngest players in the league. But let's talk about some veterans in the league and James Harden and Joel Embiid because right now we're in a situation where the 76ers have tied up that series and. When I alluded to earlier about why, Stan, this is for you, because I've said this, I made this comment about, because, you know, everybody wants me to make a video about their team. Granted, I have made a video about Miami. I gave Miami credit, right? But this is the trepidation I had about making a video too early. You got to know the timing about making a video about a team because the team has to show you that they are actually a, a, a team worthy of this position that they are holding. And Miami, in no shape or fashion in this season, has been a dominant one seed. Hell, they had the they have the one seed by like a game and a game or two games, a game and a half. And they're they're not they're not this team that is just dominating in all statistical tech categories. They don't have an MVP leading candidate that we can hang our hat on. They're not like the top offense. They're not you know they're not one of the, they're not that type of one seed. Normally, if you when you look at a team like a Milwaukee Bucks with number one seed, in those years Giannis won his MVP. 
they were always the top defense and one of the best offenses. And that's just not one that Miami's not has not been that as of the, as of this this year. Even though they've won the they had the one seed, it's like they got they got the one seed. And it's like they're 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 the number one seed by seeding, not by by play. If that makes sense. I don't know if that will make sense to people because obviously your play is how you get the one seed, but they they play. It's like the same thing that happened with um Derrick Rose's Bulls team, where it's like they're just a phenomenal defense, and there's like just teams you can just like you can just shut down, you know, on defense. You because you you mentioned earlier, you can just play harder. If, you know, you just play hard nosed, tough defense in the regular season. It's like some teams are just going to be like, yeah, whatever, you know, we're just they got this, you know. And it's just like, um, and you're beating up, you know, you're beating up on teams like the Kings, and you're beating up on teams like uh, the Pacers, and, and you know, you're you're playing those kind of teams, you know, teams that you have more talent than, and you're gonna you're gonna outwork them. And it's like now you're going against a team where the two best players are on the other team. Yeah, and it's like we and we have always gone by the mantra mantra of. Best player uh, is probably the best team in the series. Yeah, and so you're not one, but two of the best players in the series, and you're telling me you have to take over that when you don't even have like a true number one guy. Oof, oof, that's that's mm, that's a toughie. And that's my problem. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Sorry, yeah. your point wasn't done. Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say like that that hard in those defense can take you so far in the regular season but once you hit the once you hit the postseason and again like you you, you alluded to this earlier they're going to have tape on they're going to watch how you you know how you defend them and again these are high level players who can react to that high level defense and how you react to them yeah and that that is part of my problem what i've had with miami is that like when i look at the offensive efficiency of teams this year miami was 10th in offensive efficiency okay Defensive efficiency, okay. they were fifth. All right, and this is the one C we're talking here. So yeah. when, when you, you normally you hang your hat on one side of the ball, and when you're saying, okay, yeah, we're fifth in defensive efficiency, that's good, but it's not like you're the best team at defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's one of those things that gives me pause, and it's just like Miami is is while they're a really good team, I still there's it's not this resounding you know chest pound that. Yeah, I'm supposed to believe in the Miami Heat just because they're the one seed. Because they're not, they're not a a a regular proxy one team that I think has just been so dominant throughout the year. It's like they they really fought to get to the like they just barely got the one seed type of deal. And I will say this before you before you before you move on because yeah, I, I can hear the Heat fans already. I hear them turn. But Jimmy Butler missed a bunch of games. Kyle Lowry missed a bunch of games. Does that count for for anything? We would have had a, a bigger lead if they didn't miss uh, if they didn't miss games. And for those people that would say that, I would say, well, for much of the season, or for a good portion of the season, the Brooklyn Nets were the number one seed. And when Kevin Durant got hurt, and they ended up trading James Harden, they lost the grasp of that. The Chicago Bulls were the one seed at one point. Guess who got hurt? Lonzo Ball. Guess who got hurt? Zach Levine. Guess who got hurt? Alex Caruso. 
And so when you're sitting here trying to tell me, yeah, I mean, we should, you know, all our guys lost, you know, missed games, whatever. Guess who also missed games? Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know what I mean? Like Ben Ben Simmons. (laughs) I mean, help. Yeah, Philly played the whole year without their guy who's supposed to be second on the team. And they were they were what two games behind Miami, mm. and they were the four seed just out just out of how the seeding worked. So I don't know, I don't I like is there's a difference between Phoenix having an eight game lead on the next team and Miami being two like just two games ahead of Boston and Philly and Milwaukee. Just, you know, just paint a picture there, but. Right now, we sit in a series where ever since Joel and B started playing, Philly hasn't lost a game. They've won 2-2. Granted, they've done what they're supposed to do. They've protected their home court, while Miami has not really been able to seem to get success in Philly to the degree that they've been able to dominate Miami. Granted, even but it's like even you look, you view the domination in Philly with a little bit of tinted glasses because you're like, okay, well, how much of that – or sorry, the domination of Miami. You look at that somewhat with the tinted glasses, like how much of that absence of Joel Embiid contributed to that. And now yeah. when you're looking at this series, how much has Joel Embiid's impact being there changed everything? And Joel Embiid's Joel Embiid being there is warped Philly's defense. I mean, I, there's times I see. Obviously, Miami loves to operate around the rim, dude. It is. It's just so different. It's I. I, I, I was chuckling because I was I was thinking about Jimmy Butler when he said they like to operate around the rim, and his uh his his jumper. But you know the crazy thing is Jimmy Butler played well in Game Four. He played well in Game. <laughs> you know, and but then see here's the thing: there was always this this little trump card they had, and it was it was Houston Harden. And it had not been played yet at all throughout the series. Granted, that's supposed to be a card that's supposed to be a regular card, but I digress. And then you see this version of James Harden come back where he's able to drop 31 points, have a good amount of assists as well as rebounds. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, well, this is the version of Harden we're supposed to see. And then you see that and you're like, okay, well, is this about to be a consistent thing that we can bank on from Harden being that's still up in the air? But normally when you see that from Harden, you're seeing the Embiid impact, and then you got other guys also contributing. It's one of those things like, mm, if they have those two guys operating at optimal capacity, is Miami in trouble here? What do you think? Uh, listen, yes. First of all, yes. Second of all, the real, the real issue, right, is well, – not the real issue. Another issue, I should say, is – so this offseason, they gave $43 million to two players. One of those players' name is Kyle Lowry. The other one is Duncan Robinson. And Duncan Robinson is pulling a fat old DMP right now. <laughs> uh, and Kyle Lowry is pulling a fat – he might not play – he might not play game five. While also going 3 or 14 in his last two games for a grand total of six points. So that's issue number one. Issue number two is you had Jimmy Butler ball out, drop the forty, drop the forty piece, right? Which is what you know. We, we had the main issue of like we were saying, oh well, you know, Miami doesn't have that number one guy, but you, you get a guy who plays like a number one guy, 
and you lose by eight. And it's like, I don't know what the what 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 do the what does the Heat do? Do they stop do they stop Joel and Beast? I mean, I mean, Joel had a pretty, you know, his typical game, really. He's 24-11-2. I mean, you know, I mean, that's not, he didn't, like, dominate the, on the offense, you know? So it's like, do you do you slow him down next game? You know, it, it's like James Harden got 31, but, I mean, James Harden's a superstar. Yeah. You know, James Harden did what he was supposed to. James Harden literally said himself, you know, sometimes the shot falls and the shot wasn't falling the first two games. He was like, eventually this was going to happen. Um, <clears throat> so it's like, I don't know. It's just like if, if James, James doesn't need 31 a game. Like if James can just give you, you know, his regular 25, you know, you're, I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't see, I just don't see Miami locking them up for two games. It's just too much talent. In my opinion, like on the court, there's just now when Harden's by himself, it's a little bit easier. Um, but with both of them, uh, I just don't see it. And they and another thing also, and I think this is kind of flying under the radar, is they can't guard Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he straight up just played amazing in three of the four games. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's another aspect to it. It's you're starting to see because now that there's a there's a there's a paint presence, the defense of Miami's had to shift because now that there's a paint presence that they have to be concerned about, the the way they would a lot of the Philly pick and rolls would work beforehand where you were comfortable switching Bam at a bile out on whomever is out on the perimeter or utilizing Bam and more up 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 coverage on pick and rolls or whatever the case might be, having them show more, whatever the case that is. Now when they're doing when Philly's doing their action and you the the guy that's rolling is Joel Embiid or they're setting up a, a play to try and force Joel Embiid to get a mismatch in the post, it's way more dire for you now to switch that because that's Embiid down there instead of whomever the backup center is in DeAndre Jordan, right? Where that that's not an actual option. And so your your whole defensive scheme changes. So now it's way more imperative of you being able to guard whomever is out on those wings. Hence why Duncan Robinson has a DNP because that's not his role. That's not what Duncan Robinson does, right? So now when you're in that situation, what? My man is a shooter and nothing else. Just about it, right? And so now you're looking at this situation where you're – you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place because like we, like you noted, it's just so much talent that they have to contend with. And if you're getting the version of James Harden that everybody expects James Harden to be, you don't get a performance like this, James Harden. You say, Oh, well, you know, like this isn't where we're going to get every day. No, this is what you're you're expecting, right? It's it's, it's not like the Dorian Finney Smith eight threes. No, this is what he's supposed to be. He's not Drew Holiday. (laughs) <laughs> for, for lack of better words yeah so it, it's it's gonna be interesting man i think that i think miami i think going back to miami will help them a lot oh yeah of course now i'm curious does jimmy butler equal the level of play he gave in game four and then who now steps up to help jimmy butler right who's the person 
that's going to also couple his 20-point performance with – because th- I, I tweeted the other day, Jimmy Butler is just a hard guy for me to evaluate talent-wise amongst his peers because we never regard Jimmy Butler as like a top whatever, 5, 10, whatever, maybe 10, but not 5 player, right? But then there's just – sometimes he just has these moments in the playoffs, and I'm like, man, Jimmy Butler sure is playing like a 1 right now, though. And – it, okay. it, what? He plays like a one. He don't have to stress him. He plays like a one, and then it will just fall off completely. But see, it, it's like it falls off. But then if he still gets me like seven rebounds, four assists, or whatever the case may be, and it's playing hard defense, I I I, I juggle with myself saying, well, why do we give guys like Luca the grace of going nine of twenty five? And we don't give Jimmy Butler maybe uh, maybe it's just because Jimmy Butler still doesn't reach the high point total, but maybe this doesn't believe in taking the volume of shots even if he's not having a great game. And uh, that's not true. <laughs> you said that's not it. I'm looking at. I think the back is probably it's true. I'm looking at his shot though. All right, I want to because he's he, he since he's been in Miami, Jimmy yeah. Butler has not been a volume shooter by any means. No, but I want to stop you real quickly. I want to point out you said he's not a high point guy. Playoff this so, so far this 21, 45, 20, 36, 15, 22, 33, 40. He's, uh, he dropped some points in the playoffs. See, and yeah, okay, so then that even buffers the point then because he, he never, Jimmy Butler doesn't get spoken about. As like when we talk about Miami, it's like they don't have a true star, but I don't know. Jimmy Butler, he. Really, in the NBA Finals, when they played the Lakers, Jimmy Butler was going toe-to-toe with LeBron. Like, he was... Okay, man. Come on. But he was playing at that level. He was playing at the superstar level. And it was just until the final game where it petered out. But I don't know. I don't know. Where, where do you, what do you think people, about that? People don't talk about him being a star because he had just 21 points a game. But see, is that is is that what the shroud of the regular season blinds us from? Because if we're so contingent on how much a regular season performance matters, I thought where the postseason comes around is where a guy really proves it. Because if he's playing regular season basketball and his team is winning, why do I why do we hold it against him that he's not just putting up a Giannis season or somebody season when in the postseason he is having that level of impact? Okay, so this year, first round against uh, Atlanta, he put up 38-5. The year he he played against, he played against the, uh, but, 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 he played against? He played against the Milwaukee. Uh, he put up uh, a big old 14-7-7 on 30% shooting. Um, the year before that, he goes, is this the Lakers series or a series? Yeah, Lakers series, he balled out 26, 8, 10. But then the, the series before that, 19, 6, 5, 43% shooting. Two series before that, the first round of, of that year, he goes 25 and 4 on 40% shooting. It's just like it, 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 he's inconsistent when it, comes to, when it comes to playoff basketball. He's just inconsistent. He's an inconsistent scorer. And I think that's why people are like, are like, uh, I don't know if he's like the number one guy because he's just that inconsistent. 
I can see it. I, I can see that. Yeah. It's just, I guess I asked the question more so because I feel as though, weirdly, Paul George gets more respect than Jimmy Butler. I would never understand. Right. You know, and Jimmy Butler has, maybe not from an individual accolade standpoint, but at least within team success, Jimmy Butler has accomplished more than Paul George. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's what confuses me, but... Paul George made six all NBA teams and Jimmy Butler's made four. You said that's what they're, that's what stats bear out for them? No, I mean, uh, um, all Jimmy Butler's made four all NBA teams and Paul George made six. That's what I was saying. I think the individual individual accolade standpoint goes more in Paul George's favor. But Paul George plays better in the regular season. Yeah, he's a he's a better regular season guy. He's more regular season more regular season pro. But then see, then we get to playoffs and I don't know. Uh, he had a he had a rough couple of playoffs. We'll be real with you. Everybody, everybody's always told us that it's all about the postseason, and then I don't know. Then the guy performs even, better in the postseason. I don't know. Even his playoff performances aren't like great. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, he dropped twenty-eight a game. All right, well, let's move to the spot. So, twenty fifteen, right? He plays four games. That's twenty-seven on forty-five. That's not bad. Then the year after that, first round, twenty-eight on thirty-eight percent shooting. Year after that, OKC, he drops 24 on 40% shooting. The year after that, he drops 28 on 43% shooting. The year after that, 18 on 35%. year after that, 21 Man. on 43 Like, these are not. <laughs> like, <Man. laughs> you know, these are rough numbers. Yeah, it's not great, man. He has a lot of he has a lot of forty one and thirty nine percent shooting series. We would be right. No, I feel that. Okay, well, let's. I want to get to the your the. I think I said all I have to say about Philly, to be honest, but and Miami. But I do want to get to your point. You you had a topic you wanted to touch on regarding the referees, and I wanted to get to that before yeah. we close it out. So go ahead. Uh, I want to get on my soapbox and talk about how the referees ruined the last game, uh, last Phoenix game, and Chris Paul somehow picked up six fouls, which two of them are iffy. Listen, my main point is this, right? I watched the game where Giannis jumped on a man's back, and I don't mean like he kind of went over his back or anything like that. I'm talking he took a seat on that man's back. And I didn't see him. They did not call the foul. The six, it was, a, it was he had five fouls, and they didn't call the six. But you're gonna sit here and tell me, you're gonna sit here and tell me that that Chris Paul foul was a was a six foul. That like even even if you if you replayed it, slow mode it, enhanced it. I, I think that's just that's a rough way. Nine minutes into the fourth quarter, by the way, that's a rough, a rough foul call, and it just feels like there's too many. Maybe I'm just being maybe I'm just being like 
uh, what's the word called in the moment. I just feel like there's too many like soft, soft fouls that are being called, and it like take, it just takes people out the game. And uh, they we all talk about this that, um, you know, basketball is a, a a different kind of sport where it's like your your superstars can be taken out the game for the rest of the game at some point. And when that happens, it's just like, it, it, you know, it just it just makes it tough. Like, Chris Paul couldn't play at all last night because he was just in foul trouble the entire game. Yeah. And it's like when you have fouls like that, and it's just, it just, uh, it just kind of ruins the game. And even um, the Bucks owner or GM I, uh, came out and it was like, yeah, you know, you hate the way you these aren't, this isn't great basketball right now because of the fouls that are being called. And I completely agree with them. It's just, or, um, you remember the game against, Oh, you didn't watch the game. Or I think you missed the first half or something like that. It was the Bucks, not the Bucks, sorry. It was the Grizzlies and the Timberwolves. And the first, the first quarter had like 30 free throws taken. And like, they broke the record from the first half for free throws taken in a half. And it's just like, there just so many fouls be like so many ticky tack fouls and so many just a lot of free throws and like it's and like it's difference between like you know oh well they've always the, if somebody told me oh well they're taking the same amount of free throws that they usually take and it's like it, you know it's not the same it's like it's kind of like when you have teams that are just driving in the paint a lot and they get calls and it's like okay that makes sense but it's like when you are taking a ton of threes and somehow still maintaining the same level of free throws i'm just like uh, you're, you got to maybe calling too much yeah 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 no I, I i get where you're coming from from that that vantage point the, the foul calling has been i think a lot of people say when they see scott foster on the lineup it's just just chalking just just roll the ball down the oh, yeah. down the aisle well, it's 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 wild yeah. and i think the Chris Paul thing, it was evident that Chris Paul, I knew from the moment Chris Paul got the three fouls in the first half, I was like, Phoenix isn't winning this game. Yeah. I, you know, it, it was, so I could see it from a mile away. I just knew, I was like, there's no shot. Cause he, he couldn't even get into a rhythm. And I started seeing Milwaukee target Chris Paul. Oh no, sorry, not Milwaukee. I started seeing the Mavericks target Chris Paul. And it was like, the flopping, I, I, bro. I remember when they used to. Like, what did we reach a point when we started finding people for flops? And uh, we did, and then it stopped really fast, bro. Because Luca was just—I mean, it was abhorrent, bro. Like every single, every single contact, Luca's just falling all over the place. I'm like, bro, this is not this. Oh, man, used to. Hey, I guarantee you, I'm, I'm gonna look it up. But I guarantee he used to play soccer. <laughs> it was. It was just so many flops. I couldn't. I couldn't rationalize it, and it was ma- it was it was lowering the quality of the game without a doubt. I I just was not having as much fun watching it because I was just like, what the heck? Why is he? Why is he flopping? Like every single time, like I was like, I can't even tell if these are actual body contact fouls or anything of worth worth of note because it was just felt like he was just anytime he could try and deceive the refs. And I think that's the worst part is when you start seeing guys try to deceive the net, the refs. And I remember Jeff and Gundy brought this up is that every time, every time guys commit fouls and they complain to the refs on an obvious foul. Yeah. Nobody's, <laughs> ever, committed, nobody's ever committed a foul in the NBA ever. 
bro. It's so unbelievable, man. I'm like, this is so bad. Right. It's, it's like dudes will like clothesline somebody, and they'll be like, "What do you what what what?" don't have to uh you don't have to you don't have to argue everything yeah 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 sometimes it's just uh it's just take your foul and uh keep it moving you know that's facts no that's facts man but I'm, i'm i'm happy you brought up this this topic because yeah it's a problem and it's the officiating is is way more involved in I don't know if it's just because of the, the, the teams that we have. I mean, Giannis's series are always going to be weirdly officiated. It's been very weird yeah. recently, right? But it's weird going from the Giannis series, you know, how he's playing in that series. Then we go to Phoenix and Dallas, and it is, whoa, it's a contrast. There's no, it's not a streamlined line in terms of how the playoffs are being officiated. It is all over the place, to say the least, and it is impacting the quality of the viewing experience in terms of what you expect to be a foul and what isn't. But yeah. All right, guys. And oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're not done. Go ahead. What, um, oh man. It, uh, you should never, and I mean, never know a ref thing. Uh, in a game, like if, cause the second, you know, a ref game name, that means they're doing such a bad job that you're, you have to pay attention to them. Yeah, Scott Foster. I'm looking at <laughs> Scott Foster, Tony Brothers. Uh, who else? Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's really, that's really the main two. Like you know their names, and you're like when you hear their names, you're like, oh, here we go. It's either going to be completely overtaken by them, or it's just going to be a lot of foul calls. It used to be Joey and Crawford. You thought oh, Joey Crawford? Uh, listen, bro, <laughs> man, get attacked to. Timmy D sitting on the bench laughing. <laughs> it was crazy. I will never. <laughs> Joey Crawford, man, he he used to be wild with. I mean, it was almost the he he would tech players in 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 terms of like co co coercing them into respecting him or something like that. It was just weird watching Joey Crawford like officiate games. I, I was uncomfortable. I don't know. It was always yeah, I, weird. I'll- you ever if you ever if you remember the uh, the charge call he made uh, against the Lakers, honestly, where he's like he's like jumping around and like yeah. you look at Joey Crawford game. I think that that would be the first thing that pops up. Yep, and it's like it's like it's like yo, listen, yeah, we're not here to watch you, dog. We're here to watch basketball. He would do the most, man. Like, and bro, let let a play let a play still be going on. Or something like that, and I, there's a play on, and guys think they should still go on and score. Oh, nah. Joey Crawford is jumping up and down, running out there, getting in the way. Like, he's ready to take the charge to make sure that you don't continue, do continuation. Yeah. It's like, bro, what are you yeah. doing? Like, come on, get out of here. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I just... The block, blocker charge, I forgot what it was. Call he made where he where he just making where he's jumping around and stuff like it's just like a typical guy like you don't know it's like oh, that's a ha ha funny moment you know yeah but like it's Joey Crawford it's like you're like oh come on Joey get out of here bro like come on <laughs> you don't want you don't want to see see it from you 
Exactly, exactly. But all right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. Of course, make sure you guys subscribe to the KBR Sports Podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. And also subscribe to the YouTube channel as well where you'll you'll find quality YouTube content, of course. And please, if you can, also leave a review and a rating on this podcast. I would prefer it to be five stars. Definitely helps out. And make sure you guys follow the social media handles down below in the description. And, of course, let's give a round of applause for my guy, Stack Kill Oatmeal. Obviously, came through, showed out, dropped some quality basketball knowledge. And, y'all, of course, if you have any questions for me, you can reach out to me at my Twitter. That will be in the, the description as well, as well as my other social media handles. And until next, guy, next time, guys, I'm out.